the world through education. Each week we bring you a new idea, however big and bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host and my dad, Ryan Scott. Good evening. Good evening to my Big Ed Idea podcast listeners. Um, Got to tell you, pretty excited again. I know I say that quite a bit, um, but I'm really super excited for this episode uh, tonight. Um, as we speak, I am looking out my window and it is a beautiful, beautiful evening. Believe it or not, it is April 22nd, but literally two days ago, it snowed here. Uh, we had like an inch, an inch and a half of snow just kind of dropped on us for whatever. It was a freak of nature event, but it was it was kind of cool uh, other than it was April 22nd. Um, but um, yeah, tonight I'm super excited to welcome my friend from one of my favorite states um, from the great state of Tejas. Um, tonight I'm going to I'm going to welcome my new friend, um, my my. Actually, we, we have a connection. Um, one of my first five episodes, I got to, I had the privilege of interviewing Rick Ramirez, which was just a fire, fire, fire episode. And, and Rick said, hey, dude, you got to you gotta check out this dude. He is also in the El Paso area on the uh, western side of Texas. He said, you got to get him on that podcast because he is full of energy and he is full of um, of some knowledge that, you know, your folks need to listen to. So all my friends out there in ed, the Edgesphere land, tonight I want to welcome to you Josh Tovar. Um, Josh is the principal of Memorial Pathway Academy, uh, which is a part of Garland ISD in Garland, Texas. Um, it is a 6 through 12 school. Um, Josh is very proud that he is a dad of three. He is a husband and he is going on 30 years in the magical world of education. Um, and what I, I'll tell you this piece that I is extremely love and appreciate is he is a first generation United States citizen. Um, and I'm hoping we get to talk about that a little bit, but, uh, without further ado, I want to rec I want to, um, welcome my new friend, uh, Josh, that Josh, thank you so much for being on the Big Ed Idea podcast. Hey, thank you very much for having me here. It's it's amazing how social media connects all these networks of positive educators to make sure that we're there for our kids. It is my honor to be here to find like minds to make mm -hmm. sure that you know what we beg, borrow, and steal from each other. And I always tell that to all our team members: we need to beg, borrow, and steal from each other because you know what the ultimate. The ultimate goal for all educators to make sure that the future of the United States, the country that gave me so much coming from another country, the country that gave me the ability to go from poverty in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, all the way to becoming a principal of a high school, all his future, give back to those future leaders to take my place. As I always tell my kids, I always tell my kids, it doesn't matter where I'm at, I am the present. You are the future. So it's my job to do everything in my power that you are better than me. Because you know what? I know that you tell your kids this and I tell my kids this. It's your job to be better than me. Your blood kids and your students. Because you know what? That's the only way that this country will keep on evolving and changing for the better is the seeds. We're the profession that creates all other professions. 
Man, I love that. Um, your um, your energy is super infectious. Um, I follow you on Twitter as as you do as as well. You know, you follow me as well, and I love the posts that you you seem like you post something positive every single day. Is that like a is like a, like a conscious thing, or is that just who you are? It's it's twofold, and I'm glad that you asked that. It's twofold. Number one, as a leader, someone that sits in my chair on a campus. It's to make sure that I always send out positivity and what my vision is for the chair that I sit in, because our kids need to know that it's not just talk, but it's yeah. walk. Yeah. And you know what? It comes down to we need to make sure that we're in their zone. They are our customers, our kids. And I always say this. If you are not on social media, you're still renting your movies from Blockbuster mm-hmm. and you're still buying your pants from Montgomery Awards because you know what? Ultimately, that's our customers and that's how they connect. So we need to connect with them. So number one, every message that I have, it's focused and targeted. On Mondays, we do something. On Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, we do something. And on Saturday, because that's what the vision is that I do during the school day. But you know what? I think that we are in such troubled times. And every generation says that. But we haven't had a generation like this with this pandemic that has not so much the disease, it's affected us, but you know what? The economical devastation it's done. And then the political turmoil and the racial tension that's around as a history teacher, I know that I've learned about this and it's amazing that I learned about this through decades in the 20th century, but it all just collapsed at once. All of this racial tension, all of this financial and uh, the disease it's just something that our kids need to make sure that they, we are the blue lioness blanket when they walk into the building. And when they go home, they know that if they want to, the extension is there of what my vision is for positivity, stay focused, live their dreams, being stronger than you were the day before, all those things. And being a, of Mexican descent, an American now, always using our phrase that as a people we use, ganas, con puras ganas. You know, it's about putting that effort. It doesn't translate well to the United States in English, It's but the best connection is grit, having yeah. the grit to be successful. But you know what? There's something more of an emotional tie to the word ganas because every parent in from Hispanic culture, Mexico, tells their kids, andele mijo, vaya a la escuela y le ganas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's one of those things that it's 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 purposeful. Everything we need to do as leaders that sit in our chairs has to be purposeful and targeted. And that's what it is. It's message that goes from my chair in our building, but also what I believe in life, because you know what? A kid of poverty that is uh, born whenever it rains, it leaks inside of the house. A kid from poverty that when we had no money, my mom would add more water to the soup just to fill our bellies. And, you know, beans are kind of cheap. So you still eat beans and tortillas. If you come from that kind of background, um, it's one of those things that the determination, the will, hard work can get you places. And my mom always pushed that, irregardless of our condition, irregardless of our situation, we need to always strive for excellence. And that's one of those things that a lot of times we think that our kids are hearing that at home, but you know what? You and I know yeah, this. Yeah. Sometimes they're not. Yeah. So it's my job to also instill in my children what my children, I'm talking about school children. I consider them my kids when they're there. 
my kids need to hear what Virginia, my mom, taught me. Don't stop. Work hard. Keep on fighting for your dreams. I love it. Yeah, I love it. And and I think exactly what you're saying very, very much parallels uh, just my idea that, you know, yes, we have been on this pandemic of uh, COVID, but there's also this pandemic of learned helplessness that has gripped uh, a lot of our kids and a lot of our adults. And I am intrigued with what our schools can do to build uh, what I call the hope coefficient, um, but what you are calling as ganas, um, which if I'm translating correctly, collect correctly, ganar means to win. So it's kind of like ganas is like winning or something, you know? Um, so no, I let, love what you're saying. Let, let me coach you on the side real quick. Let me coach you on the side. It's ganas. Ganas. There you go. There you go. I can't <laughs> let you stop saying it. I, I don't want one of my fellow Hispanics to be laughing at you. It's yeah, that's all right. Listen, that's all right. I tell my kids, um, my kids all the time at school because we have uh, quite a big uh, Latinx um, population. I tell them all the time, tengo que practicar. And they know to tell me um, if I am getting something wrong to let me know. Um, I try, well, from coming from an elementary background i would always have some hispanic students and those kids didn't have any problem talking to me like they weren't embarrassed about it but it's something about the older that the students got it was kind of like they were embarrassed um to speak spanish and so i want them to know like this is something i celebrate like this is something i if i could have one superpower literally it would be to speak spanish fluently because um i grew up um, taking it in high school. Um, I played soccer in a Hispanic league for a little while. Um, so yes, that is, that is something that I love, 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 love. Um, and, and, and you know, kudos to you on that. I, I like to let you know is that that's one of the, the best things that us, us as educators can do is get out of our comfort zone and connect with them saying, you know what, I'm willing to learn yours. You need to, uh, reciprocate the whole yeah. situation and I, and I agree also with what you said because the campus that I'm at is a 6 through 12 campus and I have one hallway for middle school kids and one hallway for high school kids that we call newcomers to the country they're brand new yeah. from different parts of the world and you're right the sixth seventh graders they'll gamble they'll try their English but once they get to eighth grade ninth grade oh they put that stop yeah and, and, and I, I understand so that learning English and I understand that learning English because um, when I came to this country, it was the late 70s and I'm a product of full immersion. I'm not going to get into that debate of what's good and what's bad. Right. But it's one of those things that I was punished for speaking Spanish. You hear those kind of things before, but it, it is what it is. As a history teacher, I understand that that's what it was back then. We just can't allow that now because we're smarter. We right. know about we know better. Research. We know about fight or flight. We understand that, and it's one of those things. As an educator, my hat goes off to you because you're willing to do that effort. And as long as you're willing to do that, they'll work for you. So that's kudos to you. Yeah, I love my kids. I'll do anything for them. Um, so I want to get us rolling, and I'm super intrigued about this first question. Um, so you've told us that, you know, you weren't born in the United States. Well, no. Were you born in the United States? No, you weren't. So you were brought to the United States. So I'm extremely interested about how um, a young boy from Mexico 
um, finds education, to be quite honest. How did you find the field of education? Let me, let, let me uh, uh, without going into a whole dissertation of my family background, <laughs> um, we, we, we don't fit a lot of the same molds of a typical Catholic, Hispanic, Mexican family. Uh, the reason that we we're very successful thanks to the Methodist church. Yeah. The Methodist church provided my mom with a scholarship because she showed a little bit above average academic prowess. And so she went through the Lydia Patterson Institute in El Paso, Texas, and they provided her with a scholarship to get her education in the United States. Oh, wow. so she had a foundation for that, thanks to the Methodist Church. And so, but we still lived in Ciudad Juarez, in Chihuahua, right at the border with El Paso, right. Texas. Right. And and so, long, make a long story short, it took her years to earn her bachelor's. But she knew every time we would come to the El Paso to buy her groceries, everything, she would make it a fact to say, we're going to live in this community. <laughs> I'm going to show you where we're going to live. Mind you that that was a community, if we all, if, I can't assume people know, but there's a community that's next to a, a strong military base, even today it's called Fort Bliss. And Fort Bliss, that area where she said we were going to live was all Anglo. It was all the, the generals, the colonels, the lieutenants, that area. She goes, te voy a traer aquí. I'm going to bring you here. Mind you, that we were my, my dad was earning Mexican pesos that was devalued back then. Right. So she pushed my dad. She kicked his butt and said, <laughs> you're going to bring your family here. A good here. woman. Exactly. And so we ended up moving into that area, the area where she promised. And so from that point on, my mom, she, you know, she struggled. She struggled. She finally earned her degree real late in, in her life. But, you know, she made it a point to show us I could do it as a, as a mom with two children living in another country. We migrated to this country. And so she decided to take the route of education. So my mom was an educator and became a substitute teacher. And then she would always guide me. Higher education was never not an option for us. Yeah. So again, it's one of those things about instilling in your children at an early age. And at that point, she always took us to the library, the public library, because she had to drop us off. Now, mind you, if we use today's tactics to back then, my mom would have had CPS call them. Because <laughs> she would drop us off at the public library. She says, I'll be back in six hours. Yeah, right. She had to go to school. Listen, you got books. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it is what it is. You know, we, we can't judge the past with today. And so we, we would start reading and then I would always gravitate to the conquistadores. Yeah. Because those were the, the just that intrigued me. So I was a horrible student by the time I got to high school. My parents divorced. I'm a product of divorce. I was that kid that would always ditch. There were no attendance laws. So I would never go. So I'm not proud of this, but I told my kids that and my language barrier created more problems for me later down the line. And I had no idea. I, I should not have been a success. I should have been a junkie because I was involved with a lot of alcohol, was involved around a lot of the drug scene. I should have gone that path, but that memory of my mom working hard always stayed in the back of my mind. 
So, and I knew that if I stayed in the same route, being a high school student, drinking every day, I mean, I, I'm not proud of it, but it, I, I also, as Dr., uh, Principal Caffelli says, you can't fake the funk. The yeah. reality is this. Yeah. My, the only thing that straightened me out was joining the Marines. Oh, I did not know that's that. The, that's the only thing that straightened me out because if I would not have joined the Marines, I would not have been a jarhead. I would have for sure not seen 30. Yeah. That's a guarantee. Yeah. Or it would have been th that cycle of drunk, low-paying job, that, that, that cycle of madness. And so the Marines straightened me out, put me in a structure, a focus. And then here's where you get into it. My mom became a teacher for 31 years at Thomas Jefferson High School, right on the border of uh, El Paso and uh, Juarez. And for 31 years, she taught freshmen biology. <laughs> you know how challenging that is. Especially yes, I do. Get our, is, uh, Hispanics don't, the, the whole language, the academic language is difficult. And so she said, hey, well, now that you're out, um, well, she wouldn't, well, let me take two steps back. She wouldn't sign me going to boot camp because I was 17, but the recruiter was on my case. So my mom says, look, I'll sign if you go to school, if you go in the reserve. That's the only way that I'll sign. And, and my parents were divorced. So I it was in a chaotic uh, home situation. So she signed off. I came back and she goes, okay, mom, I'm here. I, I got to go to artillery school in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. I came back to El Paso. She goes, okay, what are you going to do now? Well, I promised you I will go to school. I had a, I only took the SAT once. My, I don't only want to say my score because it's embarrassing. I took it. I'm getting, I'm not proud of this. But the only time I took the SAT was hungover on Saturday. It was, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of saying that, but understand that that's my life yeah. at that point. Right. And UTEP, th thanks to Dr. Nat Natalicio, she believed in that, that, that community and they allowed me to go in there on a probational status. So they allowed me saying, you have to meet this requirement, this requirement, this requirement. So I had the GI Bill, they allowed me in on probational uh, uh, status and I got to be average the first semester. Ah, go figure and then my mom started having that conversation with me saying well you know what you always when you were little we would take you to the public library no you would dump me at the public library you would <laughs> yeah that was <laughs> my <laughs> babysitter exactly and um you always liked history so from that point on she laid the foundation of enhancing my traits my like because kids as long as you gravitate to what you like you're never going to be at work Absolutely. And that's for adults also. And from there, that was the genesis of my history. Uh, from nothing to troubled times in high school to the Marine Corps fixing me, providing structure. And from there, I became a proud eighth grade history teacher at Valley View Middle School. And it's led to ISD. I love that story. It sounds like it sounds like kind of what you're doing for other people. People believed in you. And you rose to the occasion. Um, and I can tell you are very intentional on letting your students and, and I would say your staff know that you believe in them. <sighs> okay. I, I, um, I think that's a, that's a crucial part that a lot of people that sit in our chair forget. And this is one of the things that I stay, I keep on repeating over and over. Just remember, and here goes for those people that know me, kids and adults don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. 
Amen. We're not in the history business. We're not in the algebra one business. We're not in the science business. We're in the people business. That's right. And once we connect with them, they'll walk on fire for us. That's exactly right. Exactly. All right, my friend, I want to get into this two for two segment because I'm very interested um, in these two questions that have nothing to do with education. Got it. All right, man. What was your first job? My first official job that I got a paycheck was delivering the Sun Shopper newspaper. Ah. Sun Shopper. It was thrown, I believe, every Wednesday. Um, I would have a route of 140 papers. And I would have a route that was seven blocks away from me. And I would collect 50 cents for the month every Friday. And I got to keep half of what was collected. Wow. I was at the age of 13, I believe. 14, nice. something like that. Nice. I was uh, a sandwich artist at Subway. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, hey. There we go. Artiste. I was a Subway. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. How did you, how did you like that job? uh i'll be i'll be honest like it taught me a lot because it taught me well i've not to get off subject but i didn't graduate college till i was 27 and so from about 18 to 27 i primarily did uh service jobs i was a server i was a waiter i was a bartender um and subway was kind of my first introduction into customer service and you know the way you treat a customer and sometimes the way they treat you um it was a first job i learned a little bit um but i have had gosh i've had millions of jobs i mean at one point i was working four jobs when i put myself through college uh supporting wow. me and my daughter um but yeah i yes next question my friend Got it. if you could trade places with anyone for a day who and what would you do oh that's such a great question listen because we get deep fan... wow that's one of the things that i've never which is speechless um <laughs> i like to right now the first thing that came to my mind is I would like to be somewhere such as a news organization. I would like to be around the media because I'm intrigued by, you know, you within two two channels, you see two different parts of the United Absolutely, States. Absolutely, yes. And I would like to know what the thought process is in this current climate because it's so toxic how you go from one channel to the next one it's two americas and why would we do that when our nation's model is e pluribus unum right we will create such a schism and history as a history major i know that that doesn't do well for countries empires whatever you want to call it and the thought process behind why they think that that's an effective structure for a society. Yeah. I've I've never had that question and thank you for asking me that question, but it's one of the things that always intrigued me that I, 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 wow, I even stuttered. Um, I try to explain this to my kids and I can't. Yeah. 
I can't being a, a Hispanic uh, from the military, you know that we're kind of conservative uh, with our with our thought process, but then also being in the public with with kids, you got to be liberal. Yeah. So it's it, it's that fine line that goes between both of us. But right now, why would you do that to our country? And I'm talking about both sides. Yeah. And there is no room for a three anymore. So thank you for asking me that question. You know, I'll be thinking about that when I go to the gym in the morning. Thank you. Okay. Okay. All right, my friend, uh, Josh, what two questions do you have for me? One of the questions I always like to ask a, a, a colleague of mine is, who's your role model in education? That is a very good question. Um, so I would say, so a principal that I had before, the last principal I had when I taught, um, so I taught 10 years in elementary. I taught everything from kindergarten um, to fifth grade. Um, oh, you got a water, but water burger cup, man. Love me some water burger. Okay. Sorry. I digress. I digress. Um, I had this amazing principal. His name was Rob Carroll. Um, and I taught at South Heights, South Heights elementary and it was, um, I, I taught there for six years and he really inspired me because I had been teaching at another school across the um, town and he essentially reached out to me and said, Hey, I want you at my school. And at that time, his school was uh, 97, 98% free and reduced. So very high poverty. Um, I knew those were the kids that I loved and it felt really good to have somebody believe in me. So I left my school, not because I didn't think that school was great because I did, it was a blue ribbon school, but I left there to go to um, this school full of um, behavior problems and, you know, broken homes and all of this stuff, because those were the kids that I had always loved. And when I went there, he was just different, super different. Um, everything was outside of the box. Um, he basically let the teachers lead, do whatever they wanted to do, as long as it was good for the kids. Um, we were all about um, inviting people from all over the United States to come and walk through our halls. Uh, he wanted the teachers to brag on themselves. Um, he really created a uh, innovative climate that was really pushed the bounds. Um, and it wasn't always popular. Um, definitely wasn't popular to the system, I guess. Um, but I saw kids thriving in it because these kids that came from these just horrible home lives, they knew that from kindergarten through fifth grade, they were going to have a school where every single person in that building loved them, cared for them, fought for them, would go to war for them, uh, would do anything and everything, throw any resource. Um, we used to have a, a community Christmas parade every year. And the whole community, the east end of, of Henderson, Kentucky, would come out and the kids would be walking the, the streets and we would have a big parade. And just the pride of these kids and these families that, I mean, you know, um, kids in poverty, families in poverty, um, sometimes their ego is shot um, because they don't want to be where they're at for the most part. And they're used to being looked down. 
upon and to have somebody literally fighting tooth and nail for them was awesome. And so when I left that school and became a, uh, a leader of my own, I tried to take on and personify some of his traits as well. Um, and so, yes, to this day, like Rob Carroll, if you are listening, dude, you are a rock star, you kick ass and I appreciate everything you did. Wow. Thank you for sharing. That's wow. You can feel it in your voice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right. Question number two. It's, it's, it's a simple one, but it's a little two-part one. Okay. Let me know what your model, your quote is, and why is that quote spiritual connected to you? Okay. You were made to be awesome. That is my quote. Um, when I was a high school soccer coach, I was a JV girls soccer coach for uh, four years or so. And I read this book um, that was about um, a division two school in Ohio that had the longest winning streak of any, any NCAA soccer program. And the, the coach talked about all these, you know, whys. And one of the things that I really took about, took out from this book was that he preached that the minute you walked on that pitch or the minute you walked on the field, um, that was an act of worship and that, um, to go out there and do your absolute best every single day was a worship was worshiping God because the gifts that he had given you, um, were amazing and to not do your best or try your best every single day uh, was kind of an insult to the one that you made. And so I really took that to heart for myself. Um, and so really, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because that's what my maker put me on earth to do. Um, I always used to tell my students um, when mom had you, when they first looked at you, they, every single parent said, this is going to be the next president of the United States. This is going to be the kid that learns how to uh, cure cancer. This is going to be the kid that gets us to the moon. Um, God does not make dirt. Parents do not make dirt. And we are all meant for awesomeness. Wow. That's great. Thank you. That's yeah. Wow. I, I've, I've got a really cool poster on my on my wall that somebody made with with those quotes so one day it will be a tattoo there there you go hey you know what you post that on social media take that picture that's something for you to share okay. with everybody because you know what not only is it a visual but the way that you explain it i think that a lot of people are going to pick up yeah. that coming from your spirit not from your heart or your mouth you're not faking the funk that's great yeah, yeah. And, and i know sometimes Sometimes they have that have that much passion about something. Sometimes people are, it puts people off, I guess, you know, like you're trying to be cocky or something. And I'm not, I, I promise you, anybody out there listening, I am not trying to be cocky. Um, I am just trying to get across that, you know, we are made for so much more. Um, we were put on this earth, I think, for so much more, you know, and um, yeah. I agree. And, and you know what? That's one of the things that I tell kids and I tell the adults also. Don't listen to the noise. Ignore the noise because you know what? If you're doing something good, if you're doing something productive, you're always going to have haters. If you're doing something 
and that's one of my quotes he who makes you feel in fear make i just ruined it and i just killed it i am so sorry about that you're okay it's one of, it's one of, it's one of my quotes and I'll come up. I just had a senior moment and I'm going to blame it on it. <laughs> It'll come back to me right now as a gotcha. He who makes them feel their inferiority. Oh my God. We can't go back and erase that, but I will post it on my social media. That's okay. Listen, while we are talking, if it comes to you, just spit yeah. it out. He who makes them feel their inferiority. How dare you? Listen, this is real life, and to our listeners, um, no one has been drinking yet tonight. No, 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 no spirit. No, that's okay. Listen, that's cool. You know, I I was uh, recording an episode a couple months ago, and my six-year-old busts into room just screaming and having a breakdown. I'm like, "Eh, you know, this is the real world. Right. Whatever. Whatever. All right, so I'm going to jump us into – the stated purpose of this whole, this whole shabazz or whatever. Um, I created this podcast as a safe space for people to dream big, um, a safe space for people to talk about their idea um, that they like to talk um, about. It may be in the staff room. Um, you know, when teachers get together, they love to talk about how things um, should be improved and, and, and ideas that they have. And so, um, the stated purpose of the Big Ed Idea podcast is to connect the vision of one with the passion of another. So before we can talk about the idea, however, we must talk about what is the problem in education, my friend, uh, Josh, what is the problem in education that you see and um, as a reason for your idea? I think that the problem currently and it's been happening for a while uh i'm 29 years into this business and i've been in 14 schools so i've been from elementary and i've taught at the university level and i've just by conversations i think that the problem in education is the disconnect with a human factor yeah as educators we've disconnected to where it's a job it's not a calling that people are so hung up on bonuses for scores or negative actions towards the teacher for not having a high passing rate because it's become a cattle process for positive reinforcement. And I think right now a lot of people, and it's been going on since um, No Child Left Behind, that it's become a situation. And trust me, I, I am in favor of accountability. I remember in middle school when teachers used to say, okay, just write the questions at the end of the book and stay quiet and I'm going to pass you. Right. Or, or copy word for word from uh, uh, the chapter and I'll check two pages. And then if you get it right, then you'll get a 100. Yeah. Or let me show a movie for three days. So I didn't know that I didn't learn anything. I learned what bad teaching was. Yeah. And so I, I have no issue with accountability, but when it's at this level to where it really um, puts handcuffs on the learning process and the whole hots, the true hots, higher rethinking skills of kids in a scenario where I'm not tied to a year at a glance, a YAG or a scope and sequence, I think that we've, we've disconnected with kids. 
Yes. Because you know what? Kids that are AP, kids that are IB, they're going to be successful without us. Oh, yeah. Dude, I no say that one, all the time. Nobody. I say that, that is all that the kid time. That is, the kid that's a 74 and a 76, no one listens to him. And you know where all the money is going to? The kids that are at the 60s, the ones that were trying to get him past with a 70. And so there's a situation right now that it doesn't matter if we listen to the video and TED Talk from Rita Pearson, if we talk about all the situations of connecting with kids, they'll walk on fire for us and they'll bring us those scores. Because you know what? They'll work for you. Any great coach, you know that. Yes. Any great coach will pull you to the side and will scold you, yell at you, put their finger in their face, and you're going to say, yes, sir. Because Every you love them. Does that. Exactly. The drill instructor. You hate them at the very beginning. <laughs> By third phase, you love that guy. You love that fellow Marine. Because you know what? You know that they care about you. And you know that that organization, the United States Marine Corps, have been around with honor and respect for years because of that. Like you tear it down, but then you build it up even stronger. Every coach that's a successful coach will make sure those athletes, whatever it is, they get inspired by their game plan, by their vision. You know that as a former coach and all coaches, a great teacher is an awesome coach. Yeah. And so right now, the big problem in education, and even more so now with kids at home in different parts of the country for over a year, talk about the learning gap. Talk about the levels of remediation and frustration for the kids that are 80 kids, 85 kids, 89. You know that they're going to be stuck in remediation because the majority of the kids have that learning gap. Yeah. If we do not connect with our students, if they don't feel that we care about them, there's going to be a big problem the next five, 10 years because this agree. gap is huge. One, there was a study that there was the Katrina disaster created years of regression for those kids that were shipped out because of Katrina. Now you and that was only five months. Now yeah. Imagine now. Yeah. Imagine all these kids that are at home. Yeah. So for me, the big problem is, and it starts with our chair, the administrative chair. It is our fault if we do not show our team members in the classroom about connecting with kids. If you're building a desk and it's growing from your chest and you don't get out of there, you're part of the problem in your campus. If you're not actively actively greeting your kids, if you're not it's bumping them, I don't care about Corona. Hey, if you don't like Corona, you know what? Sorry, stay home. Resign as an administrator. Because right. you know what? Those kids need to see you out there. They need to see you at their basketball game with the mask on. They need to see you at their, I don't know, that part of the world is lacrosse. If they need to see you at the flags competition, the choir kid also needs to see you just like the quarterback kid. That's exactly right. And you know what? If you're there and they do screw up, or if you're there and you walk into a classroom and they're messing up, all you have to do is put your hand on them and say, hey, Mijo, expect better from you. That's right. Come on. Just like you were at the choir competition or just like you were at the football game. That's what I want to see again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So it's one of those things. The big problem in education right now is that mainly the people that sit in our chairs are not connecting with all of their community. Yeah. And you know what? Everyone does not want to hear you talk it. Exactly. That's right. Josh, I completely agree with you that there is this disconnect 
uh, as you say, with the human factor of education. Um, I've got to say, I, I feel like we are putting pedagogy over psychology, and I think it should be reversed. Um, like you said, exactly. Um, if we can get our kids to care, and if we can get our kids to, I, I'm going to say it, if we can get our kids to love us, they are going to run through walls for us. And it doesn't matter, to be honest, it doesn't matter how we teach them. It doesn't matter what we teach them. We could literally stand up there and just lecture all day. But if our kids love us, they're going to be engaged. So my friend, um, what is your big idea? Like, how are we going to, what are we going to do to rectify this? I think the big idea is that we connect with all our audiences. That means if I was to find a tool, I think I, I feel in my humble opinion, that I found a tool to make sure that a community is connected using all the different social media platforms. Facebook, I use it for my parents. Mm -hmm. When I say my parents, I'm just saying the parents that are part of the current community and my past communities that I've been involved in. For us old people. It, yes. <laughs> Twitter is for the community. You're my colleague. Yeah, I've connected with you. How? On Twitter. Yeah, that's exactly right. Instagram is for older kids. Older kids who like high like school level. Old. Exactly. And now high school kids and middle school kids are all about TikTok. Yeah. So I connect on TikTok. I have no idea how I'm using it. <laughs> I, I, but I'm trying my best. But yeah, I get you. My audience. And I even, I've tried um, Snapchat a couple of times, but just, there's only so many hours in a day. But let me tell you, it's about promoting the whole vision. And let me explain to you why I know that it's a su successful tool. Prior to me coming to Memorial Pathway Academy, I was a proud principal of Socorro High School. And when I took on that, that high school job as the principal, it was a little city. The second that I was hired to lead that campus, it was 3,000 people daily, 2,550 kids and over 200 something employees. So it was a little city that um, replaced me there. And it was a D minus campus. It was every stereotypical situation was provided to me. There were fights everywhere. There were 300 kids tardy to class at least. They were disrespectful showing up late whenever they would be ditching. That was the negative um, idea and picture portrayed. And when I got there, I go, no, I don't believe it because that's what people thought about me. I was a loser. I was told by teachers at Burgess High School that uh, I would never do anything in life, that why am I even in school? Showing up. I, I was told, all, and you know what? I gave them that. I understand now, you know, being older. But I was told that I was a loser. I was told I was never going to be a mount to anything. And that's, it is what it is, you know? I learned that. I'm one of those people that takes the negative and makes it as a fire. I'm going to prove you wrong. Absolutely. That, 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 I'm going to prove you wrong. That that's, And you know what? People were telling me that about those kids. Those kids were me. Those kids, I would have, that campus would have approximately 500, 400 to 500 kids drive in from Juarez. Socorro High School was next to the bridge. Trump's wall, it was right there. It was five, seven minutes. There would be a caravan of taxi cabs dropping off kids from Ciudad Juarez to Socorro High School. 
And so there was a language problem. It was 89% free and reduced lunch. It was everything that you would think that had against it. In three years, sir, in three years, that campus with a belief and it all being promoted with positivity went from a D minus to a B minus. From a D minus to a B minus. The graduation rate when I walked in and our administration walked in was at 81%. Think about that. 81% out of a graduating cohort of 550 almost. Yeah. Horrible. That's almost 20% of your kids. That's almost a quarter of the kids that are not graduating. That's crazy. In three years, we increased it. Everybody, we, it's not me. It's never me. There's no way one human being could do it. It's the cafeteria worker, the custodian, the receptionist, the team members in the classroom, everybody increased that campus to an 89%, all the way to the graduation rate. And we ended up with a B minus. All the marks were up. So the climate survey, there were 88 questions. Out of those 88, 80 of them, all by the parents, all by the kids were up in two yeah. years. Yeah. And it's all because they kept seeing the positivity on social media. They were not by the talk, the noise, was not there because I was showing them these are good kids. This is an awesome staff. They could accomplish it. And you know what? As Bill Parcells says, the rock, the record says who you are. That's right. And in three years, that record was all marks up, no mm-hmm. issues. Obviously, it's a high school. We're going to have They're all, yeah, parents. there's always issues. But social media, making sure that you reach out to your target audiences and placing that message that is universal which is student success, is a tool that all of us can use. And when I hear people say, administrators, I understand teachers, but when I hear administrators say, I don't do that, I don't even touch my phone. (laughs) Well, you know what? Let me tell you. Then you know what? Go buy your pants at Montgomery Awards. Yes, yes. Keep on renting your movies at Blockbuster because you will never connect with kids and those kids do know that you care because you're not showing them how good they are because it doesn't matter what organization you're in look at google look at all these great organizations they always make their employees feel great why should that be any different for us a lot to unpack there um but i listen i would completely agree with you um one of the phrases that i take the heart is perception is reality um and when i had the pleasure of taking over an elementary school which was uh, all accounts was very similar to the one that you were at. Um, high poverty, um, very, very low hope coefficient. Um, lots of not much trust between the staff. Um, but I made it a point, kind of like you, I used social media to really show the world the amazing things that was actually going on in that school. And by doing so, um, my parents bought in. And then the community bought in and then the students bought in. And I, so I love what you're saying there. Um, Like, like you said, it is the 21st century. It is time to use 21st century technology with our students and with our families. Um, When all of this COVID stuff hit, I kind of used it as an excuse um, to connect with a lot of my students on social media. Um, Primarily the way I talk with my students, my students that, literally had checked out we hadn't seen in weeks and weeks i could connect with them by sending them a facebook message 
Um, I could connect with them um, by, you know, sending them a text or, or something like that. Um, and that's the language that they speak. So I love the way that you are essentially, that's what you are doing. You are showing the amazing things that are already taking place in the school that you and I know take place in the school. Um, but it's very easy for the community, um, to see a different story. And so I love, love it, love it, love it. Yeah. And it's one of those things that it became such a norm that even kids would message me and say, Hey, Tobar, there's going to be a drug deal in this hallway. Oh, wow. Hey, Tobar, there's going to be a fight over here. Hey, Tobar, this kid, someone hit him on the weekend. Boom, boom, boom. Kids would start reporting stuff to me. Yeah. And you know what? Even the most minimal thing. Hey, Tobar, what day is today? A day or B day? <laughs> it, I, it doesn't yeah. matter. No, to it me, doesn't. that was great because they thought about me when they had a question. They thought about me providing them with the answer and the support. To me, that's a plus. That's not a negative. Yeah. yeah. And some people say, oh, it's my time with my family. You know what? I agree. But when you chose to be a leader, you interviewed for that position. And your, or your leadership, either as an assistant principal or a principal, your leadership is 24-7. You cannot clock out on Saturday I because agree. you chose to lead. You yep. interviewed. For the chair, not only did you interview, but you wished for a second interview with the superintendent. You pray to God for that. And then once you become a leader, you just can't discard what's tied into that. Oh, man, I, I completely, oh, wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, I look at my position, um, my students as my kids, um, my staff as my brothers and my sisters. And um maybe there's a maybe there's a hint of uh, workaholic in me but I don't care like um, I truly believe that we are put in a particular place at a particular time for a particular reason and I dream of a purpose-driven school where every single person at that school believes that they are there for a reason um, because it makes the hard times way easier um, and it makes those good times so much sweeter because, you know, it's a, there's a reason that it's happening. Right. And I, and, and that's where we get to take in the harvest if we put in the time and there is no such thing when we choose to be a, a leaders. Uh, I would highly encourage everyone to see Simon Sinek's Eaters Eat Last on YouTube. What's his it's name? Simon Sinek. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've listened to Simon Sinek many times. Eaters eat last. I would always show that to the assistant principal group that I had at the previous campus because it's one of those things that he always states. Leadership, you chose to do it. And when you choose to have that position, you put people first. Always. And then if you don't adhere to that, that means taking in the call from your team members Sunday at 8 p.m. because their child is sick. That means a parent messaging you on Facebook about their kid's grades because they want them to play football. That means a kid finding out whether it's A or B day. You know what? You chose to have a responsibility of a whole community on your shoulders. So then own up to it because it's just not the paycheck. Trust me, it's not. It's about making sure that they're prepared for the next level, elementary to middle, middle to high school, and the transition in between those two. 
Yep. And was there in high school, the tra transition to the world of work or the university? And I would add to that, I completely agree with what you're saying, but I would add to that, we are willing to do whatever it takes to get those kids to the next level. Um, and at the high school level, maybe that is, um, maybe that is changing their classes around to um, accommodate the fact that they are working. Or maybe it is uh, letting them do coursework at home um, because they are raising a family. Or maybe it is um, letting them, you know, just whatever it takes to get them to that next level. Um, because like you said, we are in the people business. We are not in the compliance business. We are not in the, uh, like you said earlier, scope and sequence business. Uh, we are not in the accountability business. Um, we are literally, and I know this is cliche, we are in the world changing business. And a lot of those things that people call cliches are a reality because we see it every morning. Absolutely. When we see the kids that come in that haven't eaten in their first meal is the meal at school. When we see those teen parents that they talk to us about changing that person, I'm like, hey, so did I. Yeah. Or they talk about not having enough uh, formula for their baby and they're 16 years old. So you know what we do? We go buy it for them. Right, right, exactly. And people say, why, why do you spend so much of your own money? Because you know what? The Lord has blessed me with more than an abundance. Because I love it's, those so things. It, it's about giving back. The law of re reciprocity. Yeah. It's about making sure that you give back. Because I know, and, and it's one of those things that I really feel that I've been blessed, like you said, with the talents provided me by my higher being that have, I have never missed a meal. I have had a, I have a beautiful house that I'm in right now. I have health insurance. My kids were born with all the abilities and physical attributes. You know, I'm far beyond blessed. And when we have our kids coming into us that can't even eat, I remember those days in another country when we didn't have food. I remember those days when, when every time it rained, it would rain inside of our house. I remember the times where all my family would sleep in a bed and because we only had one heater. I remember adding more blankets to us because it was very cold. I know what it is to be on that side. We give back whatever we can because you know what? That makes us that continuing generation so they give back to their next generation. That's just the way I see that. And I'm going to tell you what. Um, I think we are at a really good place of, of winding down for the night because uh, I think you have said it beautifully, man. Um, absolutely beautiful. The problem of education today is that we have forgot the human factor. Um, and I love that your idea um, simply um, is let's put the humans first. Let's put our people first. Let's put our kids first. Let's put our communities first. Um, because I think what you are saying is that if we do that, if we truly do that, everything else will happen. Most definitely. Most definitely, and it's just connecting with everybody. And I have to finish with two things. Kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we need to connect with them every day in whatever minimal, whether it be a knuckle, whether it be a pencil, student of the week, a birthday card mailed out to them, whatever it might be, making sure that they know there's somebody on their side. Somebody's there to protect them. And number two... I remember my quote, it's people hate those who make them feel their own inferiority. Yes. Lord Chesterfield. 
It's yes. very important. So if you're a trailblazer, if you're a trendsetter, if you're doing something that is good, you're going to have those people that you make them feel uncomfortable. Ignore the noise. It's all about the kids. It's all about the team members in the hallways and the bloodstream of the campus. And it's about us in our chairs, making sure that they know that we got their backs. Dude, I love every, I love you. I love everything you've said tonight. Um, a, a good buddy of mine, um, also a former, or actually a uh, fellow Tejas uh, person. His name is Kevin Curtis. You may or may not know Kevin. Um, he is from St. Louis, and he is the CEO of uh, Restorative Justice Educators. I'm going to get it wrong. I, sorry, Kevin. I'll drop it in the show notes for all of us to know. But he said, um, and I take it to heart, valued, seen, and heard. And so every day, I try to make sure that all of my people on campus are valued, seen, and heard, whatever that means, whatever that takes. And I love that I have got you um, on my team, and I can tell you are doing wonderful things in the El Paso area. I can tell those kids have a champion. Um, I can tell that, the, that my Lord, my God, put you in your chair for a very particular reason. Um, and man, it's really, it's awesome to have met you and it's, it's wonderful to have connected with you. And I pray that our relationship continues to grow and we uh, keep reaching out to each other. Um, but for all of those folks out there in the edgesphere, what can they do to be able to get a hold of you? We have, I have four platforms, but the ones that you all feel more comfortable in is Twitter, yes. MPA underscore go Jaguars, MPA underscore go Jaguars. Uh, I'm also on Facebook is MPA space Jaguars, MPA space jaguars and those of you that are adventurous on instagram i'm at mpa jaguars one one name mpa jaguars one word mpa jaguars okay so if you're adventurous and you're on tiktok it's also mpa <laughs> listen i have kids at school every every week that want to film a tiktok with mr scott um and we try it and we do it and um you know, it's what they want. So, hey, that's cool. Um, so my my friend, Josh, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, and I say that with the utmost sincerity. Um, I love what you are doing. It's nice to know somebody has the same crazy ideas that I have, that we should love our people. Um, and that it's okay to tell them that we love them. Um, yes, sir. And so is there anything else that you want to say before we uh, bid adieu? Thank you very much. Um, I appreciate this opportunity. I am honored to be here supporting another uh, Iron Sharpens Iron. And so thank you for this opportunity to spread out the word of making sure that we do what's right for kids. And you know what? I wish you nothing but the best, you and your students. And you know what? Maybe one day we could meet down halfway between Texas and Kentucky. Kentucky, correct? That's right. And hey, you never know. I might go over there because I've never been in Kentucky. Okay. And so maybe drop over there. What's good in there? What's Kentucky known for? That's for food. For food? Yeah. Well, uh, so my town, Henderson, Kentucky, has a really, really good blues festival. We have the... Um, 
WC Handy Blues Festival. Uh, supposedly, WC Handy was the father of blues, and he lived in Henderson for a little while. Um, so that is really, really good. We have some wonderful barbecue as well. Now, I know we don't cook on mesquite uh, yeah. like you do down in West Texas, uh, yeah. but hey, I like our barbecue as well. There you go. Well, once again, thank you very much. Many blessings to you. A lot of health. Take care and keep on rocking. Thank you. Hey, man. Vaya con Dios. Gracias. And uh, for all my listeners out there, I'm going to leave you with a wonderful quote. Um, I found this one today and it, and it goes to all of my dreamers out there because we know, listen, the world does not change unless we dream it. So here's the quote, hold fast to dreams for if dreams die, life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. And that was by Langston Hughes. So my friends out there have a wonderful evening. Keep on dreaming, keep on changing the world. And uh, I'll see you on the next episode of the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper. <laughs>